Born on America's darkest day of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays the mortgage on the family home to lift the financial burden. For severely injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling severely injured heroes to move around their homes more independently. Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and services to homeless veterans. More than 3,300 were helped last year alone. Because all veterans who honorably served, whether in peacetime or war, deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. If you are an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be part of your investment portfolio. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that has historically delivered sound returns. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. On this episode, we have Dr. Jay Bhattacharya with us. We're very excited to talk to him about, well, health policy as it relates to COVID and so much more. Dr. Bhattacharya is a professor at Stanford University Medical School, teaching in the Department of Health Policy. He's a research associate of the National Bureau of Economic Research, a founding fellow of the Academy of Science and Freedom at Hillsdale College, and co-wrote 
the Great Barrington Declaration, a focused protection alternative to lockdowns. Dr. Bhattacharya, honored to speak with you, sir, as as in a very early, huge uh, supporter, booster, adopter of the Great Barrington Declaration. I feel like I'm in the presence of sanity royalty. <laughs> thank you for uh, for your sanity, too, Buck. Appreciate the support for it. And thank you for having me on. So just for everyone listening to this, if they you know subscribe to uh, my show and they know what I'm going to say, which is, so you're right. So the Great Barrington Declaration um, was as cor- more correct now, even if that's possible, than it was then, because we we played out the experiment on the other side of what what happened. Uh, let me start with this because it's such a big topic, and 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 we don't, you know, you've got people to save and uh, and young minds to mold and all that stuff at Stanford. Um, how is it that all the institutions of medicine seem to get this? entirely wrong and would not speak out at all in favor of some sanity on this. I mean, I think there was some element of, of policy hysteresis, which I mean, like very early on, uh, the, the Chinese example, the January 2020 Chinese lockdown played an enormously important role in the minds of public health. The people like the World Health Organization sent a delegation to China in February and they came back like they wrote this report saying, oh, what China did worked. And then everyone copied China. All the countries, one by one, from Italy on, it was like dominoes falling in, with these lockdowns. And, you know, how do you do something so dramatic, so devastating that already had, you know, it, it, it's really hard if you're like at the top of some high bureaucracy and some hierarchy, especially if you're a scientist, to admit that you've got it wrong. Um, and so I think that that's, that like by the time October 2020 rolled around, I mean, I saw very clearly the lockdowns had failed in October, in April, uh, March, April, 2020. Um, and that and I'd already gotten, we'd already seen all of the devastating reports that were coming out of poor countries uh, and even rich countries about what had happened to, to poor people during the lockdowns. Uh, the, and, and so I, and I also saw that the lockdowns were coming back. And so what, what's, what's happened, I think, since is uh, it's a lot of people who should have known better and maybe now they actually do know better, but they can't bring themselves to admit that they were wrong because if they do, they sort of lose their status, lose their position, um, lose their power. Now, did you have docs coming to you, colleagues, people you know in the medical community who were ba- were saying to you, look, I know this is all crap. Like this, the, the, the paper masks, really the masks, period, aren't doing anything for anybody. The lockdowns were a disaster. didn't stop the virus at all. And, you know, the vaccines are nowhere near what they were promised to be. And, and I want to I get your take on exactly how you'd grade the vaccines in, in a moment. Um, but did you have people coming to you in 2021, 2022? I mean, I mean, later on in the pandemic, or was the group think so strong that MDs, even from very esteemed institutions like you know, Stanford University Medical School, uh, just couldn't see what was obvious. So in 2020, I'm pretty sure I was not a majority. My view was not a majority within Stanford, but it might have been a, a, a pretty prominent, much more prominent than people realized, right? So when we wrote the Great Barrington Declaration, 
almost immediately after we released it, tens of thousands of scientists signed on, very prominent scientists signed on, including a Nobel Prize winner here at Stanford. Um, it, was, it, was, it was really clear that there was a pretty substantial portion of the scientific community that was very deeply unhappy with the lockdowns, um, that there was, actually was not a consensus, the scientific consensus behind them. And that actually that there was a lot of people who thought what we were proposing, which is essentially lifting lockdowns and focused protection of vulnerable older people, was a better strategy. I mean, it's a strategy, actually, but just to be clear, that, that, that strategy we proposed, the Great Barrington Declaration, that's basically the old pandemic plan we followed for a century of respiratory virus pandemics. I was just cribbing off of people that were smarter than me for over the last century. So it wasn't like we had a, a, a really, truly novel thing. So it's not surprising that a lot of people, but the, the, the suppression was so, the censorship, the smearing of people that, that said no was so severe that a lot of people kept themselves silent. A lot of very prominent people kept themselves silent. After we, after we wrote the Great Bank Declarations, the people that signed it, some of them lost their jobs. A lot of them face like, you know, investigations and other things within their own universities for, for you know, for heresy, I guess. Um, and it was um, it was so shocking because I thought the scientific community was more open to, to, to challenge. I mean, that's part of what science is. You say uh, you think uh, you think A, I think that but I, I, I think B, we run an experiment. It turns out you're right. Now we both think A, right? Um, but no, I'm not even allowed to say B. You're not allowed to say, uh, and, and therefore there's no challenge and we don't know what's right. A lot of that happened during the pandemic. People silenced themselves. Has there been any, I mean, here we are talking, you know, halfway through 2023. And, you know, someone just told me that in New York City, where I, I left New York City because of the response uh, to the pandemic. I mean, that was the number one reason I just said I, I, I can't do this anymore at this place. The uh, the libs have gone completely insane, and I'm I'm not going to pay taxes to support this system, etc. Right? But put that aside for a moment. A friend of mine who was there said that recently all these they had these little COVID testing tents, as if remember there was that obsession. It's almost hard to go back and think of this. It's like a nightmare that you're trying to forget. There was this obsession with we just had testing everywhere. Like, what is that? What is that even going to do? I mean, what, what was the, the point of having just mass testing constantly? Test, 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 test all the time was just an anxiety disorder pretending to be a health policy. But, you know, now they've switched it. So now it's covid and flu testing, almost like we've created this bureaucracy that will now live on forever instead of everyone realizing what a disaster the, the policies were. The policies were 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 really bad. Yeah, it's institutionalized hypochondria, Buck. That's what it was. And yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, you, you, the testing is, is uh, valuable if you use it the right way, right? So if, let's take those at-home antigen tests, right? So what if we'd had them very early and we use them so that if, before you go visit a nursing home, you test, you have to check. Sure. Right. Before the, all we had was those PCR tests. That wasn't a technological thing. That was a decision that was made by public health that to, to not promote the antigen test early. That could have been, you know, sort of promoted and, and, and like developed much earlier. And the, the reasoning was that, well, if you do a PCR test that has to happen in a lab, public health will know if you're positive. If you'd had the antigen test early, people could have known for themselves without even directly reporting to public health and use that information to protect older people, vulnerable people. Imagine if we'd done that. So like the test, the key question is not whether we should test. The question is what do we, where should we test? What should we test for? And what do you do with the information? Testing low risk people uh, for uh, for for the uh, viral fragments in in a uh, in, in where, where they have no symptoms at all is just destructive. It puts it results in a whole bunch of low people being quarantined for nothing 
that's what happened during the pandemic. And then a lot of people just stopped testing because they're like, I don't want to, I don't want to be stuck in quarantine for you know end days just because I, I tested positive. Um, so yeah, I think I think the testing, it's just it's it's like uh, you have a technology, but you don't know how to really use it. You have to like think, and we didn't do that. Yeah, no, there was there was no thinking. To your point about um, the pen, the previous pandemic policies as well, it really feels like the people that were supposed to implement the policy looked at the book of what decades of thought and research had come up with and said, no, let's scrap this. <laughs> let's, let's just, let's go with something else right away in the moment. You know, if you've been practicing a fire drill and a fire exit plan for years, the house catches on fire and you go, whoa, let's forget about the fire. Let's forget about those fire exits. Everybody let, you know, everyone would think you're crazy. Seems to be kind of what they did. Um, so this for me, but it's an area, you know, I, I, I still get people, docs, you know, that say, oh, you know, we've moved past COVID. I said, well, how have you moved past COVID? There hasn't been any, account- any accountability for this. Have you seen any major institution? I- I'm here in Miami because I left New York and I-, I went to the U Miami health system just to get a yearly, uh, my checkup, you know, and I don't go yearly, but I hadn't been in like, I don't know, five or six years. Don't tell anyone, doc. And so I'm going <laughs> for a checkup. And they made me wear, a, this is a couple months ago, they made me wear a mask walking in the lobby. And then I go in the actual medical area and they're like, yeah, we don't really, but I mean, they shouted at me to put a mask on. I don't feel like there's an accountability. I, th- I think there's still pockets of lunacy. Do, do you think, has anyone been chastened by this? You know, does anyone at the CDC feel horrified at what an abject failure they were during this or nah, not really? No, the CDC, the NIH, the FDA, they're all, they all failed in very fundamental ways. And they're basically like, They've, they've given themselves awards, like they're patting themselves on the back. Um, there have been some uh, attempts to try to like do some evaluation. So for instance, the House Select Committee on the Coronavirus Task, uh, coronavirus uh, Pandemic has been meeting. Um, but, you know, like if you look, I, I testified that the, the Democrats have basically, they think they've done everything right. The only problem was misinformation by the, by the, by the right. Um, and so like you don't, you're not getting like honest, like a real honest evaluation in that setting of what actually went wrong, scientific questions about what what went wrong in policy and in science. Um, there's other places in the, like in, around the world. The UK has its is its its parliamentary inquiry going on. There are some uh, some some like like the Danish uh, the, the the Norwegian authorities have concluded that they they shouldn't have closed schools for the two weeks or whatever they closed it for the very short period of time they closed it. So you're starting to see some push pushback. But as it stands, Buck, I completely agree with you. We are in a position where if the pandemic, another pandemic comes, um, we will lock down again. We will absolutely lock down again. It is now the standard plan. And so that means that if you run a small business, prepare around that because it's very likely that you're going to face a time where, where your demand is going to dry up because of that. If you have kids, make alternate arrangements. Make sure that, 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 that they have some capacity to, to learn even if another pandemic happens. Um, you know, I, th- I think uh, – a, a huge amount of civilization depends on some sort of certainty that the kinds of guarantees that we have in our society, you know, I can send my kids to school and my kid, the teacher is going to teach them. Uh, I don't have to worry about it. Those, those are out the window now, thanks to this pandemic management, this crazy pandemic management we faced and that, and, and which is now, I think the standard plan. So I want to, I want to ask you, doc, um, hold, hold your answer for a second, but I want to know, we're going to get into what your real report card for, the mRNA vaccines against COVID. I want to be specific on it because I know people like to play all these games. Oh, what about, you know, no, no, no. I want your real report card for what we know now based on the data and, and what we've seen in reality, not in theory, in just a second. But 
for a moment here, I want to talk to you about the Tunnel of to the Towers Foundation. 2,977 people lost their lives on 9-11-2001, but that day is still taking lives. People are suffering and dying from 9-11-related illnesses. Not to mention, there's also a whole generation out there that knows little to nothing about 9-11. Only two states in our nation mandate K-12 learning about that day. That's why the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is giving educators access to nonfiction 9-11 resources for K-12. That includes full curriculum units built around first-person accounts. Tunnel to Towers Foundation has also created a speakers bureau with access to 9-11 first responders, survivors, and loved ones. They speak in schools and community centers as they're invited. Finally, they've got a mobile exhibit, a high-tech 83-foot tractor trailer that turns into an 1,100-square-foot interactive museum with 9-11 artifacts. To never forget, we must educate future generations. Help Tunnel to Towers educate kids. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. All right. Your grade for the mRNA vaccines, Dr. Bhattacharya. C. I give it a C. Um, So tell us uh, what worked, what didn't, what do we need to know? Yeah. So I think... um, the, the problem actually is, not, again, not just the technology, but rather that how it's used, right? So in December of 2020, the randomized trials, what it found, what they found was that the vaccines st- stopped symptomatic infection at 95% for two months. That was the, that was the result. We didn't know if, it's, if, it, if the, the uh, protection waned after, after that time. We didn't know if it stopped transmission. If you get infected, can you still get infected? Can you still pass the disease on? Um, didn't we didn't know if it stopped asymptomatic infection and we didn't know for certain whether it protected you against severe disease and death because the randomized trials didn't have that as a primary endpoint in fact the mrna vaccines um the the trials had actually more deaths in the vaccine arm than the placebo arm but it was like such small numbers that you couldn't tell statistically you had to tell it when it rolled out in the public at large um the reason i give it a c is i do think that it would protect it against severe disease and death uh, which was really important for older people who had a very high risk of dying from COVID. Uh, young people, the mortality benefit is small because the risk of dying from COVID is small. So I don't see much benefit, and I do see some harm. Like the, for young men, uh, like you, uh, folks your age, it's you have, I think, an unacceptably high rate of myocarditis, especially after the second dose, but certainly even with the first dose. Uh, you know, heart inflammation after the vaccine. So for 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 so. Okay, so how would you use that vaccine with, with this kind of key, these kind of characteristics? The way I would use it is I would use it to protect older people. I would very much strongly encourage older people to get the vaccine. And in fact, that's what I did. And I think it saved lives doing that. What so kind of like, like the flu, right? I mean, the flu is for older people, immunocompromised people, get a flu shot, right? That's generally the, that's the advice, the guidance that I've received. I think a lot of other people hear from their doctors, but it's not... If you're 25 and you don't get the flu shot, you're a monster who's killing your killing your grandma. Yeah, because the flu shot doesn't stop transmission most most years, um, and it's so like you know if young young people can get the flu, actually young uh, flu is probably a little worse for young people than COVID is, depending on the age and the condition yeah. you're in. Um, so it's you know flu is flu is a, a different thing. The vaccine is a very it's a very traditional technology. It's very safe that flu vaccine. It's we know we know the the, the, the characteristics of it because we've been using it for decades. Um, wasn't true for the mRNA vaccine when we when we recommended it at scale. Uh, instead, we used it to uh, essentially f- 
we, we first, first public health made this promise that if everyone got it or 90% of the people got it or 80% of the people got it, then the disease would stop. You get herd immunity with the vaccine. The problem is like herd immunity doesn't work that way. Uh, you, you don't, you don't, you need a vaccine that actually stops you from getting and transmitting the disease. There's this famous clip of, of uh, this woman on MSNBC, like, you know, in this like incredible delivery, she's like telling, saying, okay, if you, if you get it, you are a dead end for the virus. You don't transmit it to other people. Right. Um, and that was wrong. She didn't know that the, the public health didn't know that. And yet you had Tony Fauci going around saying you got to have 80% of the people get it in order for the, for the disease to go away. Well, that, that was the part of it that all, that I think bothered so many people. You know, I told, and I was saying this on, on radio too, at the time, I told my own parents, uh, who were both seniors, both senior citizens, unsurprisingly, uh, to go get the vaccine and, and they did. And I think that under the circumstances, given what we knew, that was a sensible move, but the whole mandates and the federal mandate that Biden tried and then had to be over overturned, uh, you know, the Supreme court had to step in and say, no, you can't do that. This was all premised on, you have to get it because you're a danger to the people around you if you don't. I mean, that was a total lie, right, Doc? And and what yeah, I want to know is, should did they know it was a lie all along? Yeah. Was it always a lie, or did they figure out that it was a lie? You know what I mean? Okay, so early on, let's say January, February 2021, they didn't know it was true because the trial didn't check it. So if they confidently said that if you get the vaccine, you're not going to spread it, they're lying because they're overrepresenting what the trial said. By, let's say, April, May, June 2021, it was clear from international evidence that heavily vaccinated societies were experiencing huge disease burden, a huge, huge spread of the disease. You know, places like, I remember the earliest one was, was uh, I think it was like the Seychelles Islands, which had used the Chinese vaccine. I saw this enormous outbreak in like late March, early April, I forget exactly the date, 2021. I thought, huh, that's strange. Maybe, maybe the, that means that the, vac the Chinese vaccine doesn't work. I wonder what that means for, the, for the, these vaccines, the mRNAs that we used. And then I saw Gibraltar, which had an enormous outbreak. Uh, and then I saw, I mean, it's just like Israel, country after country that was heavily vaccinated, saw enormous outbreaks. It was clear that all of these vaccines had failed to stop disease spread, and that at that point it was just, it was a pure lie. They they should have been seeing the same thing I saw, and yet they still went on TV saying if you don't aren't vaccinated, you're a danger to others. That's a lie piled on top of demonization of people. This this sort of like uh, separation of people on the basis of like are you clean or unclean, which is a very dangerous thing to do in public health. A lot of people. Yeah, I don't know if, uh, like I heard all these stories from Thanksgiving of 2021 where unvaccinated people weren't invited to Thanksgiving for their own families. Yes. Um, I mean, that's public health's fault. That That's a lie put around by public health, essentially demonize people on the basis of the vaccination status. And then there was a paired lie with it, which is that if you had had COVID and recovered, there was no there's no immunity at all. Well, the evidence was really clear by July 2020 that you had pretty substantial immunity. Um, yeah. How, how you know, is it that Dr. Fauci could look anyone in in the health sphere in the face and say, or I, rather, the bigger thing is what he didn't say, which he the, the concept of natural immunity was completely abandoned for the pandemic. I mean, how, how couldn't people see? Right. I mean, you, Doc, how many years did what, you, you went to school? How many years for medicine? I mean, what is it, like four years medical school, four years residency, right? I mean, you've spent decades I, uh, of your life studying this. There are others like you. How could they have not have seen this? I feel like I'm just some random dude. I saw this. It was crazy. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, I, so I do research full time, just so you know. So I, I, I didn't do residency, but I... 
school. I did a PhD. I did. I, did, I got gray hair for a reason, Buck. Yeah, you study this stuff for <laughs> um, a long time. Bottom line, fair enough. Yeah, Go I ahead. Did. Uh, but yeah, just uh, so, so why do they not know? I mean, I think that the the problem is like, um, like the, the kinds of people that ran the pandemic response, they're they're mostly are HIV experts, right? So like you know, uh, Tony Fauci, Rochelle Walensky, uh, all of these folks, they made their bones in HIV, and for HIV, there's no immunity. So and you know, like the, the they, there's this new virus, they use their knowledge of HIV to set expectations about this virus. So very early on, it was like, you weren't even allowed to say that it's the possibility of immunity until you can prove it. The problem is like, they didn't update. By July of 2020, it was clear from like multiple papers in prominent medical journals that, that actually, you know, it works pretty well. Um, you, that is your body's immune response works pretty well. And they didn't update. They were like, oh, we can't know for certain. We can't know for certain. Well, you didn't know for certain for the vaccine either. And yet if you really look, you're right, Buck. You don't even need medical training. You can go back in history, right? We've known for 2,500 years during the Athenian plague, they used people who had recovered from uh, disease to care for people who were, uh, who were already sick. It, by, in, the, in the Athenian plague 2,500 years ago, people used, uh, they, they used people who recovered to care for the people who were, who were sick because they knew about natural immunity. Somehow, in the last three years, we forgot about 2,500 years of medical knowledge. Um, and Tony Fauci going around saying, oh, I'm not certain that you have protection if you have uh, COVID recovered. We don't. I mean, that's just crazy. It's just bad policy. People could see with their eyes that if they got COVID, that, that, that it took for a long time afterwards, they wouldn't get COVID. They could see with their eyes that the second time they got it was less, less severe than the first time. So I've been called an anti-mask fanatic by all the all the worst people. So I want to return and ask you about uh, some some mask related questions and and the possible connection to uh, mass hysteria here in just a second, Doc. But first up, some days you have to dig deep for the energy you need. But where does that energy come from? In men's bodies, testosterone is a critical source. And if your body is not producing enough to meet the demand, you're feeling worn out before the day is far from over and you're not performing at your best. The solution is found with a company by the name of Chalk. That's C-H-O-Q. Their most popular daily supplement, Chalk's Male Vitality Stack, is specifically formulated to provide more energy and more focus. The leading ingredient has been proven in studies to replenish 20% of diminished testosterone levels in just three months' time. And that's just one of the many benefits that comes from making the Male Vitality Stack a part of your daily regimen. You're going to feel so much better as a result. Go online today to chalk.com and get set up. Their website is spelled C-H-O-Q.com. Save 35% off any Chalk subscription when you use my name, Buck, in your purchase process. That's chalk, C-H-O-Q.com, and use my name, Buck, to get 35% off your subscription for life. So, Doc, I when I go into any doctor's office, and this has been the way I felt now for, what, three years, but certainly still, because it does happen in places, and I see, you know, the, purpose, the people at the front desk with the masks on, they're walking around. When, I, when I'm told that it's still hospital policy, as it is in some places, that visitors, everybody has to walk around with a paper mask on, I lose faith in the intelligence, the seriousness, and the professionalism of the people involved. Are they aware of this at this point? Like, this is no, this is no longer a debate that rational people can have. It doesn't work. It doesn't help. What are they doing? Uh, it's it's it, okay. So let me just do a little bit of the history. I, I think uh, like this is my theory about why they launched themselves or attached themselves to such an ob, uh, such a bad uh, uh, such an intervention with almost no evidence behind it. In fact, 
the evidence behind it coming into the pandemic, there was a dozen randomized studies that said it didn't work, showed that it didn't really work very well for the flu, which transmits very similarly to COVID. Um, and so we knew we had the experience. There was a reason why we didn't say to schools mask up during flu season because there was the randomized study said it didn't work. Um, when the, the pandemic hit, I think public health had two contradictory aims that they needed to meet. They wanted to meet. First, they wanted to tell the public, you've got to take this pandemic seriously. Remember how early on, like there was that guy, uh, that NBA player, Rudy Gobert, who like, you know, he, he does this like press conference, licks the, licks the microphone, and they, everyone gets on his case because he's not taking COVID seriously. Masks serve the purpose of telling everybody you're in the middle of a pandemic. Everyone's wearing a mask, that means you're in the middle of a pandemic, everyone's going to take the, the pandemic seriously. The second thing that mass does, and, like, and this is paradoxical, is that they also give people the sense of control that they have something to do about the risk that they face. So the, the public health makes people feel this sense of risk, and then they give them something to, to control it. And now you moralize around it. I, can, I, take, I wear the mask, and I'm like protecting others with it, right? I'm doing good. So th th I think that's really like the fundamental thing. Like It didn't matter what the evidence said. All that mattered was that uh, you had this sense of control and you had this sense of fear. And the mass served both of those purposes. Uh, the, the evidence during the pandemic became, came in loud and clear. Randomized studies that were looking at the effectiveness of mass would find nothing. And so, yeah, I, I think the, the, the places that are still attached to the mass, where they treat everybody like a biohazard, um, it, 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 they're not following any scientific data. And I, I mean, I'm not sure I should agree with you about judging them, Buck, but you know what? I mean, I, I'm sympathetic. <laughs> well, I, I just want to know, like, does anyone, would anyone in the medical community honestly come up to you and say, Dr. Bhattacharya, this cloth mask that I wear for, <laughs> you know, a total of five minutes a day, maybe when I go into the doctor's office, nowhere else, by the way, nowhere else am I wearing this? This keeps me very safe from aerosolized viruses. Like, is there is there a serious MD on the planet who would make that case to you? And if not, how is it that I mean, there are still places that are making us masks? I mean, there there are still people floating around inside medicine. I mean, like you know, you can tell yourself any story you like, Buck, and if you convince yourself for you you can. I mean, but and, and people there are people like it's just cognitive dissonance. They can't believe that they were wrong about something. Like very very smart people. Uh, so it's not that there aren't people like that, you know, on Twitter, they still bug me, but like, but it's, it's, um, it's not, I think most people in medicine understand that that was a mistake, that, that, that there isn't the evidence behind it that they wanted and that they, they, they embraced a, uh, an intervention that didn't have evidence and it's undermined the credibility in the eyes of the population. I think a lot of people in medicine and public health have started, if they haven't seen that, they've started to see that. What do you, I want to ask you how we can fix this this credibility issue or what that would look like um doc and, and i also just want to say thank you for the great barrington declaration for a lot of us who were trying to hold the line for sanity um while and i'm talking about you know early on right summer 2020 we had all seen the hospital tents in central park that never got used because they weren't needed and the hospital ship that never got used in new york city but you know they brought up this whole hospital ship um we all saw all this stuff and, and the Great Barrington Declaration came out and we're like, wait a second. So what we see just as rational people, there are doctors who are telling us that that's true, <laughs> right? So it was really, I don't know if anyone's told you this, it was uh, a glimmer of light in a darkness of mass hysteria and appalling cowardice and political opportunism 
And, you know, I, I know you're a very nice guy. Um, my disdain for Anthony Fauci, who went to my high school, which I always tell people is kind of funny, um, will never, it will never cease because he's never apologized. He's never said I lied about everything and I was wrong about everything. If he does that, then, you know, fine, Fauci. We'll call it a day, I guess. Um, but uh, the Great Barrington Declaration is very important. Anyway, and you can tell I feel very passionately about this. We'll get back to this in a second. I just want to say thank you for attaching you your name to that. it and giving a template for reality and sanity at a time when so many of us were looking around saying, I, I can't believe, you know, double mask. Remember when they talked about goggles and gloves, too? I mean, I remember all this stuff. I search, Tony Fauci said goggles. There's not a single study I've seen that talks about goggles. I don't know where, where he get that idea. Just, you know, why not, right? I mean, you know, to your point about the enforced hypochondria, it really turned into, remember when they put the kids in the bubbles for band practice, like the plastic bubbles? <laughs> remember remember the plastic dividers that they set up in oh, places? Oh, plexiglass. The plexiglass MIT dividers. comes out with a study that shows that it reduces airflow, making things worse. Yes. You're creating like little pockets of virus. <laughs> I mean, it, you can't make this stuff up. Everything that they did that people didn't want to do, that people, you know, had a problem with, like, yeah, you're sick, stay away from people, stay home. <laughs> That's called having the flu or the cold for all of, you know, human existence. You know, you don't want to infect people. So if you're sick, stay home. Anyway, Doc, I, I, but I, I want to ask how we fix this. We'll get to that in a second. But for everybody at home, the team at My Pillow, got to talk to you about this for a second. You know the Giza Dream sheets have done amazingly well. Their slippers, their pillow products, uh, there's so much that they have that are absolutely fantastic. But their newest and latest offer is on their six-piece towel set. It's made with USA cotton, making it extremely absorbent. Still provides that soft feel you look for in a towel. You want that fresh towel that you get, that kind of hotel towel feel? Uh, you're going to get it with the six-piece towel set. And you probably have old towels in your house. You need to replace them. And upgrade them, and that's what you can do with the six-piece towel set. Now, I just got a, I just got a, uh, a piece six-piece set myself. You should get some. Just have it on hand. Great for guests too. You know, just to have that six-piece set ready to go. For a limited time, you get this set on clearance for twenty-five dollars with my first name as the promo code Buck. Two bath towels, two hand towels, two washcloths. Typically, this retails for ninety-nine ninety-eight. Get it over seventy percent off when you use promo code Buck. To find this offer, just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener special square, get this clearance price of $25 on the towel set. The deal will not last long. Enter promo code BUCK for that $25 deal. All right, Dr. Bhattacharya, giving you the uh, the ability here to clean up Fauci's mess. Um, how do we fix this? How do we fix the credibility problem? How do we fix the systemic wrongness problem from the pandemic so to your point we don't lock down again and do all this crazy stuff again because i think we would yeah i think we would too uh but at the end to answer your question the key thing is uh let's let's follow what happens after an airline disaster a crash right the ntsb sends out its independent investigators people who weren't involved in the disaster they take a look at the black box they like try to figure out what happened and then they make reforms so that it doesn't happen again Right, and the same thing happens in medicine, right? So when a patient dies, you'll have these conferences called M and M conferences, morbidity and mortality conferences, and where doctors like it sometimes can get heated, but like the idea isn't to blame anybody. The, the idea is to like figure out what went wrong. 
we need a society-wide M&M conference, a society-wide air, airline disaster conference for the disaster that was the management of this pandemic. Um, and, you know, there's some places that are starting to do this, but like it's, it, uh, the, there, no one has asked really all of the right questions. Um, so I've worked with a doc on a document called a Norfolk Group document, N-O-R-F-O-L-K dot org, Norfolk Group dot org, uh, that, that asks essentially like 80 pages of questions, scientific questions, policy questions, you know, some of the stuff we discussed, what was the evidence on masks? What was the evidence on natural, on natural immunity? Why didn't, why wasn't it acknowledged? When did people know that the vaccine uh, didn't stop transmission? Why were the, the why were still there being mandates pushed? Uh, all these all these questions need to get asked, both at the national level, I think, and also at local levels. Um, and and in, essentially, it's an agenda, a blueprint for what an honest commission looking at the COVID a policy disaster would ask. We still haven't had one. I think that's fundamental. Once we have that. And it's not, it won't be run by me. It should be run or nor by Tony Fauci, be run by independent people um, who, who that, and you have answers to these questions that everyone accepts, then you can start to begin to, to start to regain credibility. Uh, amen to that. Dr. Bhattacharya, a lot of us out there, not just me, really appreciate what you did during the pandemic and that you continue to speak the truth. And it feels like uh, the world of medicine is not completely uh, going into the abyss of politicization and mass psychosis. So thank you for that. And thank you very much for being with us. Is there anywhere you should, uh, you want to direct people to either look at your research, follow you on Twitter, anything like that? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter, uh, probably too much on Twitter. As well, my wife tells me, but Dr. J Bhattacharya, D-R-J, B-H-A-T-T-A-C-H-A-R-Y-A. I'm also, I have a new Substack. uh, uh, thing called uh, illusion of consensus where we explore uh how the the idea of consensus arises why sometimes often uh the idea of consensus in science is as is actually just simply an illusion in fact uh and and and, and we use the pandemic as a as a lens into that process how the media and the scientific community work together to create this illusion when in fact there's quite a bit of of, dissent, uh, of dissenting ideas inside science um so illusion of consensus uh, on Substack and uh, Twitter. Those are the two places to follow me right now. Doc, you have a new subscriber. I think you got a whole lot of others that are coming your way too when they hear this. Thank you so much. Thank you, Buck. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the, the Great Barrington Declaration signing it. Born on America's darkest day of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays the mortgage on the family home to lift the financial burden. For severely injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling severely injured heroes to move around their homes more independently. Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and services to homeless veterans. More than 3,300 were helped last year alone. Because all veterans who honorably served, whether in peacetime or war, deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. If you are an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be part of your investment portfolio. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, When you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investment to offset active or passive income. 
According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that has historically delivered sound returns. Learn more at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.